All right, so this is Behind the DM Screen. It is June of 2019, but not really because we're recording early because yes, I'm about to go to Europe. <laughs> May. Yes, but we're recording the June episode because I'm leaving the country. <laughs> ah, okay, I'm, I'm tracking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is it is the June episode of uh, 2019, um, and it is... We're, we're three DMs talking about our games and helping each other out, except we're kind of two DMs at the moment. Uh, Mike, say hi. Hello. Uh, and then Sam, don't say hi, because you're not here. I mean, you're kind of around. So to explain hi, to people... Hi, Sam. Yeah, hi, Sam. Sorry. Uh, Sam, we've been trying for half an hour uh, for this recorded, uh, the scheduled recording, and uh, Sam's having all kinds of connectivity issues tonight, so... Um, we're going to record, um, so that's what's happening in this episode of Behind the DM Screen. So we'll see how it goes. Michael enjoy it because he gets to talk twice. Yeah. That'll help make up for the fact that you missed last month. Yeah. So, but you, you were, you were ably replaced by, uh, JVC Perry. I don't know if I'm you're good to know how easy it is to replace me. Well, I think we've all been replaced. Like it's been, it's been like three four months since we've had all three of us together yeah because i was out a month sam was out a month you were out a month and now we're missing sam again and later yeah. on you'll have sam and be missing me oh well someday someday we will have the whole behind the name screen crew back together yeah let's talk about games let's talk about games uh so 15 minutes are on the clock and guess who gets to go first mike sam you Oh no! The right. timer has started. Okay, so I am running. I'm gonna. I'm running two campaigns right now. I'm running a horde. I'm uh, sorry, a horde of Dragon Queen. I'm running a Waterdeep Dragon Heist game on Sundays, uh, but I'm not going to talk about that. I am instead going to pimp my Twitch and YouTube show where I talk all about that game uh, on my Twitch and YouTube channel, which you can find on SlyFlourish.com. Uh, instead, I'm going to talk about my other game, which I'm saving just for this show which is my Wednesday Shadow of the Demon Lord campaign that I've ah. been running. Uh, we are now seven, seven sessions in, I think. I think we have three to go. Uh, and it's been pretty interesting. So I don't think I've talked about it since we were just getting started. Um, but now we're pretty deep into it. And uh, some of the interesting constraints. So Shadow of the Demon Lord is a D20-ish game made by Rob Schwab, Robert Robert Schwab, who was a developer for third edition, fourth edition, and fifth edition, um, and now made Shadow of the Demon Lord as his his personal branded uh, RPG that he runs. And as I he, recall, he was one of the primary developers of the fifth edition rule set. Yes, right. He was a he was a yeah the prime developer on on did a lot with fourth edition, a lot with fifth, yeah. fifth edition. So he clearly has some big design ideals, and he mashed those all up into Shadow of the Demon Lord. Shadow of the Demon Lord is a horror fantasy RPG with a big underline on the horror side. Uh, there's a lot of mechanics for insanity. There's mechanics for corruption. They affect your character. They have a lot of mechanical, you know, a lot of mechanical bits, fiddly bits that go on there. But he has a lot of other sort of general philosophies towards RPGs that he's stuck in here as well. Mm -hmm. So like monsters are pretty straightforward and simple. Uh, character progression is very flat math. So unlike 13th age, 
um, for example, which has a very steep math curve. This one has a very, very shallow math curve. Uh, however, there's lots of customization options for characters. So he he really grabbed onto a lot of the idea of of sort of the prestige classes from third edition, mm. and uh, he stuck a lot of the a lot of the customization that you can do in third edition, which you can still do in fourth through like multiclassing. Right. Um, you could you, in fourth you could do it on fourth fifth with fifth edition you could do it in multiclassing and you can do it with the various class builds uh, that exist. But I think more so in Shadow, there's a big um, there's a lot more freedom to, to go in really strange directions with your character build. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you kind of have about four different major decisions you can make at different, well, I guess three, your, your starting class, your, um, Paragon class and your master class. I think that's, a, is that right? I think, I don't know if I got that right. Expert, expert path, novice, expert, and master. Um, so one of the other things is you're intended to level very quickly. He wanted you to be able to basically go the full range of power of your character in about 11 sessions. And I've been abbreviating, abbreviating that even shorter by doing three-hour sessions instead of four. Uh, not everybody plays it that way. People will say, like, it's you level once per adventure, and an adventure might be more than one session, which then kind of takes it to the same level of progression that 5th edition has. Um, but I purposefully have been building a game where they level every session uh, three hour session and that each session is its own adventure. Like it's a self-contained story and, um, about, so, so the whole arc of the story is that the shadow lead, and, and this is both the campaign arc in the book, but also the one that I'm particularly running, which is that, um, uh, a bunch of terrible things are happening in the city of crossings, uh, and which is your, a kind of a typical fantasy city, although a little bit more industrial and uh, the shadow of the demon lord is coming to uh, Earth, spelled U-R-T-H. And um, in my campaign, I early on, I sort of introduced the characters and introduced the City of Crossings and what was going on. And then I decided to structure the game around the idea that there are four anchors in the world, four anchors around crossings that are bringing the demon lord to Earth. And there are four breakers that can stop these anchors. And the anchors can be either objects or people. So the the anchors are uh, the white princess, who is the vampire princess of the Summer Queen. Uh, It's the, um, uh, not the Book of Shadow, uh, Book of the Black Sun, um, which is a terrible tome of great power that can, it is, you know, that exists. Um, A, the demon prince, which is a, a demon lord spawn on earth uh and what's the fourth the fourth anchor i don't know what come to me so uh each one of the anchors uh oh and the last one is the eye of the demon lord which is a, the, an artifact that is bringing the demon lord to earth so there's these four anchors and then there's four breakers and a breaker is an object that can that can destroy it's the only thing that can destroy an anchor and that's the bone of the bone of astrid astrid is like their version of jesus um it's like the you know it's the holy a so holy it's a relic yeah a holy relic uh, the shard of night, which is a slice of the night sky that has been turned into a dagger, um, a, uh, Vorpal sword, the sword of the, the sword of stars, which is the actual Vorpal sword from the Jabberwocky stickers. Uh, and yeah. And the other one is the black fire wand, which is a very powerful magical wand. And so they've had to go and collect each of the breakers at, at different locations. And now they're starting, and that was their expert path. So the whole expert levels, which are four levels, was get the breakers. The first, the first three levels were learn what the hell you're supposed to do. 
it was a really nice structure. Like I was pretty happy with the way the structure worked out. Um, you know, the first three levels are learn what to do. The next four levels are collect the four breakers in any order that they want to collect them. And then the net, the last four are destroy the, destroy the anchors, uh, in any order you want to do them in. Although I've been pushing towards do the eye of the demon Lord last. I kind of want that to be the big final conclusion. Um, so, so, they, they so have, it's, it's collect these four MacGuffins to destroy these four other MacGuffins. Yes. Okay. Much. Yeah. Although, you know, yeah, they're all, I mean, everything of D&D is a MacGuffin for crying out loud. Right. <laughs> if a MacGuffin is a vampire Lord, then yes. <laughs> I'd like Strahd is a MacGuffin. Right. So, um, yeah, so they are, uh, they just destroyed the demon prince, which was a, what I enjoyed about this is sort of kind of shaking the status quo. So you think demon prince and you think like, you know, an orcus style guy. And instead it was a machine that they had built and then infused with souls. And they've been killing, you know, hundreds of innocent people and feeding it into this massive machine that was like a giant cybernetic demon gorilla. And that was the thing they had to fight and, and then kill it with, um, I think they, what did they kill? They, they used the bone of Astrid to kill that. Um, and that was the first anchor that they've destroyed. And they have three anchors to go. And two of the three anchors, I'm, I'm working on them now and I'm, I'm running it tomorrow. And I've been very loose with running these games and not not to the game's benefit, I don't think, even for my lazy methods. Okay. My lazy methods have been stretched to their limit running these games because it's a system I don't know. It's a campaign world I don't really know. Right. I have to get an entire three hour adventure done in one session. Um, and the other thing is, I think like my players are kind of ready to move on too. so I have to. I'm, I'm, but we want to finish it. Like we're not going right. to end with sessions left. And I'm not ready to run the next thing yet, which is going to be Salt Marsh. So, um, uh, so trying to think up what's interesting in these. So, like, I decided that I don't actually know. They have two. They have three anchors left, but one of them I'm going to save for the end, and that means they have two anchors that I'm going to do now. And that's either the uh, the Book of the Black Sun or the um, the White Princess. And in both cases, it's sort of it's sort of a heist. Like both of them are towers. The 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 the, uh, the White Princess is the corrupted daughter of the summer queen of the fae and she has built a whole sort of world for herself inside of a fae spire that's inside crossings and they're going to go in there and it's going to be this beautiful you know fae place and i want to kind of tap into the sort of creepiness of the fae so if you saw like jonathan strange and mr norrell it's got like these really sinister old people that are always like out to sort of screw you in a party okay um it's got like a, a a ball that always has been going on. It's been going on for centuries and people are sort of trapped, you know, dancing in this ball and, you know, sort of all these weird sort of elements to it that the characters will sort of have to navigate. And then I don't really know like what I'm going to do with it other than they're going to go to this, the, the, the princess and they're not going to necessarily be able to kill her. They have to convince her to kill herself using the shard, right? She's got the, the shard of night is the weapon she created and it's the only thing that can kill her. So I, I kind of have this idea that like, you know, she's sort of crazy, right? She murdered her love. She also murdered all of her friends in the fake court. She's betrayed both sides in a war. And now she's just sort of crazy and feeding off of, you know, feeding off of the blood of, of mortals. Um, so there's like the view of her world inside the spire looks beautiful. But the reality is it's this vampiric nightmare. And, you know, that will slowly get exposed as the characters sort of navigate, navigate it. So mm-hmm. it's easy for me to default to a slaughter fest where the characters just walk in the front door and start killing everything until they get to her and then they fight her and beat her. Although that lo- that loses sort of the horror aspect of, of the game, right? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't I'm hanging on with a loose grip on the horror aspect of the game anyway. Like my players are not super into it, right? Like they're not. So it's really just turned into a particularly 
gory, horrific, uh, normal D and D. Right. Right. Like, you know, and I, I feel a lot of that. I mean, my, my players just, I don't, you know, they're not, I, I, I don't, I didn't really push them into it, but I didn't reinforce the idea that this is really like a nightmarish game. Yeah. And, and you, you sort of want to get into that attitude. Like we're talking about, you know, veteran players who have played a lot of RPGs. They've been playing at my game for 10 years every week. So they're not, you know, it's kind of hard to sway them. So when you have a creature and you describe it's, you know, the, the dripping maw of this demonic war machine that, you know, this huge thing, they're like, you know, does that mean we're going to get a fear check again? You know, <laughs> they're not afraid. They're like, oh, does it, you know, I guess I go insane again. You know? Yeah, that's so, too bad. So it's hard for them to kind of get into it, right? They're, they're not, I mean, they remember, they're like, yeah, we fought a giant demon gorilla. It was pretty crazy, you know, so. Right. It's okay. Like, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. But I, I don't know that I'm into the horror aspect as much, and I don't think they're into it as much. But they, they love the character creation. So they're into that a lot. And they're into watching their characters grow. And I think that, you know, to me, like, when, when, when Robert Schwab puts out his Four Towers book, which is a Greyhawk style of this game, I think it's mm-hmm. going to be great. And I'm really looking forward to that, because I think that would have been a better fit for my group. And, uh, and, and as a complete aside, that's, that's almost off topic. Yeah. Um, have you ever played Fantasy Age? Yes, I have played Fantasy Age. Because a lot of what you describe in terms of the 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 different tiers and all that kind of stuff feels very Fantasy Agey to me. Yeah. Well, it's it, so it's not for me. It's not just about the system. Like a big piece of it is I love Rob Schwab's writing. Yeah. Sure. And and he put out so many supplements for this game, and yeah, I had backed the Kickstarter and just yeah, he did. Tuned with them, yeah. and I and I've been reading every one of them. And even though I like, I'm not playing these things. I just love reading them. So Absolutely. so a lot of it wasn't so much like the mechanics of the mechanics. But I'm happy with Five E. You know, like I'm I don't like I I think the players kind of dig the whole the whole grow every level idea. Right. Um. But you know, I think they're like, and the mechanics are good. But I'll tell you, like I think the whole Bane Boon thing gets overused a bit, and it and and it ends up creating a comp- some complicated math mm. that doesn't really. Need- complicated well and that's part of why i was asking was because it sounds to me like if you ran the exact same campaign but ran it through fantasy age the tone of the game would be about what you guys are trying to get out of yeah. it anyway right and i do I, yeah fantasy age was really good i remember when it first came out it, it came out around the fourth edition time and i remember like enrique uh newbie dm who has been on this show before he yeah. um he was really into like it came out as Dragon Age first. Yeah, so Dragon Age came out during fourth edition. Fantasy Age came out right at the beginning of fifth, I think. Yeah, right. And that, that, the problem with that is like fifth edition was so different. Like, you know, again, it is it is sort of off topic, but I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been I've been thinking about it and writing about like what five years of five E has been like. Mm-hmm. You know that now we've had it for five years. Like I know that my my thoughts about this game system have changed radically in the last five years. Mm-hmm. And my whole approach towards RPGs have changed because of this. And part of it is like, it's bizarre to have a system that's five years old that I'm perfectly happy with. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, I, 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 I was talking to Tom Lamel. I was kind of talking. I was more sending emojis to Tom Lamel. Tom was <laughs> looking at um, concentration rule, like looking at tweaking concentration rules or coming up with a new system for concentration. And my reaction was like, ugh, like why, why, why? would you mess with concentration, right? And and part of it is like because I'm happy with the system. Like I, you know messing i i'm and i you know i i completely applaud anyone's idea for for t- tweaking a system one of the great things about the, the kind of game we're decided to play is that we can tweak the hell out of it uh-huh. but mine is like i have one house rule and it's not that it's not that crazy and the house rule is that um healing uh the new healing spirit thing uh only does a limited number of times so you can't heal your 
group up to full every time. Okay. And that was like Crawford said, like, that's probably how I would run it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, no, no, I think you're like, right. I mean, I look at, I look at my time with fifth edition and there is, and, and I, and every now and then, you know, you're got, you got the, like the fifth edition Facebook group or whatever. And somebody every now and then will ask like, Hey, what's your favorite house rule? And I'm like, I, 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 I don't use any, like the game works really well as is. <laughs> I mean, the the only thing that I would change is inspiration, and I still haven't figured out how to make it work. So yeah, right. And I like for me, I I don't know. I'd, even if it's inspiration, which I don't think is you know like you, it, the, the the rule is you can kind of do what you want with it. Yeah, and so and whole, and the fa- and if you and if you don't use it, it doesn't affect your game at all. So. <laughs> right, right. It, it was, yeah. So yeah. So, so and and to me, it's like if I started to get bored of fifth, there is so much material to uh, to work with. Like, you know, I was I, I was looking at the Midgard Heroes Handbook, right? And and to me, like, if I was going to really dig into like a new version of not a new version, but a, like changing fifths that it felt really different, I'd be digging heavy into Midgard, because right? It's got tons of new yeah. player guys, and I know my players would love to play crazy ass centaur barbarian guys. Yeah, you know. Have I told you about about my idea for my next campaign? So the idea, and I think we we've we sort of floated the idea around here. Uh, I don't know what if it was behind the name screen or review or whatever, but my idea for my next campaign is I'm going to run, uh, or I want to run. I haven't. I don't have a group of players yet. I want to run um, um, uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, mm-hmm. and then transition from that into Curse of Strahd, where the entire tavern gets moved into Ravenloft. Can I give you a a, a recommendation on that? Yes. Having, so I tried to tie Dragon Heist with um, uh, with Tomb of Annihilation, mm-hmm. and the problem is when you dangle five hundred. This is spoilers. This is a spoilers for Waterdeep Dragon right. Heist. In case you don't hear, uh, when you dangle five hundred thousand gold to the characters and they either don't get it or you take it away from them, it really kind of sucks. Oh no, no, like that is that is like literally my only complaint about that adventure is that like. I have lots of complaints about that adventure. Okay, well, that that is having having not run it, but but done a deep read through. Yeah. That was the one thing that immediately I'm like, oh my god, that like yeah. every and, and not even that, but all the hype leading up to it and everything is all about come away with this big heist and get a lot of gold. And it's like, yeah, yeah but then you immediately want to take it away at the end, and I get why, no, but that that it's or a huge letdown. End the campaign. <laughs> no, you can. Well, like, I, I you know I I told my players in my current my current game that we are not playing these characters again. So that way right. options are wide open for what they want to do. Well, and so and so this is part of my thinking though is that so give them the gold and then they end up in Ravenloft in Barovia. What the hell are you going to do with it? Yeah. You know, there's only so much you can buy in Barovia because not to just like I did with Tom Lamell and I'm like not to crap on someone else's idea. Yeah. You also could just run Waterdeep Dragon Heist and then run Curse of Strahd. I could. But I have just let them But I have this idea. It's like I know, but but one of the other things that I had in my Tomb of Annihilation one was the characters that they built to interface with Dragon Heist were very different from yeah, the kind of characters sure. they would have wanted to have built for Tomb of Annihilation. Right, absolutely. And I think that that same truth could exist for Curse. Where it like, could, it could. You know, well, cur- like Dragon Heist is this like urban adventure investigation where sure. you want like talent, you, you know, you want people that are tied to the gray hands and they want to be investigators and they want to be like, you know, and then you throw them at Curse of Strahd and it's like, well, I don't, I suck fighting vampires. <laughs> like I don't, and, so and, I don't and, and maybe because, that'll be how it plays out. I, ultimately, it doesn't matter because I don't have a group and I don't want to make any of these sorts of decisions until I've like, I have a group and I talk to them about what they want to play. Right. 
Um, but the reason I brought it up is because you were talking about uh, Midgard, and my recent idea was, what if I ran, and I talked about this actually on the Kobold Press, the Midgard uh, Facebook group a little bit, what if I placed Dragon Heist in Midgard and used Midgard characters and still did the same sort of campaign? Uh, so, And I, I was trying to figure out like what, what, what would need to change about Dragon Heist to make it fit there. So I've been looking a lot at Midgard lately. Um, there's yeah. a lot there that I want to sort of explore. Yeah, and I you're right, and I feel kind of like I and I think this is where my reaction to the whole mixing of mixing of campaign adventures comes from is that I'm having a lot of luck, um, like being really clear about what kind of adventure we're going to run, and then mm-hmm. letting the players build their characters around that adventure, and then we know that we have this sort of fixed duration thing. So like I'm doing the same thing with Salt Marsh. That mm-hmm. like you know we're going to play Salt Marsh from level one to level thirteen, and it's a seafaring you know pirates and weird coastal occult mm-hmm. crap so build your characters around pirate coastal occult smuggler crap you know right. and and then we're done and i would do the same with midgard we're like okay midgard in and midgard is huge so you'd still want to pick a slice and be like we're going to pick the majocracy of elaine and the border of the western wastes and we're going to have this kind of mixture of you know aristocratic mages and desert wastelands yeah and, and i think your your theory on this your approach to this is absolutely sound and valid and completely right and yet, I will point out that I have just successfully ran a massive campaign yeah, that, was, that right. was a big mashup like of a whole bunch campaigns. of things. Yeah. yeah, so I mashed up like seven different major campaigns, right. and it worked really well. So um, it's just yeah, it's yeah. just a matter we of we all have a different approach. And I'm not saying mine's right. Yeah, just, no, absolutely. Know, my approach has been I really like these folks, and, and now with Shadow, same thing. Like I have this nice focused story. I I run it. Mm-hmm. It's done. We're, you know, we all cheer and applaud at the end, and then we set it aside, and now we're pirates. You well, know? I, so and I, I think, and, I, th- and I think that has to be part of my approach, right? As I as I start to put together a new group, and if I'm DMing for that group and whatever, then then the question becomes, hey, here are some different options. Do you want to do a bunch of shorter campaigns that are really focused thematically? Do you want to do sort of the big, you know, one to twenty thing and 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 yeah. mash up a bunch of major storylines? You know, how do we want to do? You know, that's that's just conversations that I have to have in order to figure out. And I I can't talk to that at this point because I don't have a group so i'm done all right that's good because your time has been up and we've been talking about other stuff (laughs) so so at this point since mike is done uh it is time to mention our sponsor noble knights uh noblenight.com is their website they are a brick and mortar game store with an online uh store as well that specializes in finding out of print products my pick for this episode is the critical hit deck for players for fifth edition uh made by nord games n-o-r-d games uh i have been using their their player critical hit deck their critical fail deck their critical hit deck for gms and their lucky slash unlucky deck uh for over a year now um and i'm making that my pick of the episode for reasons that will become clear when i talk about my uh last game session so noble knight make sure you tell them the tome show sent you
All right. So uh, uh, I will take my turn now since Sam is not with us. Uh, so my campaign, since the last time I chatted on Behind the Demon Screen, Mike, you weren't there. Um, my campaign has now ended. The last session was the last session. We actually finished um, the conclusion of the big campaign in actually like half of our normal session and then played some Betrayal at Baldur's Gate for, for a little while so we could you know finish off the night. Uh, so to, to catch the listeners up and to catch you up, Mike, um, what you missed was they had the big Demon Lord Battle, battle Royale. Um, they defeated the Queen of Chaos, who attacked the party while the Demon Lords were battling. Um, the, the Demon Lord at the end that they had to fight actually ended up not being Demogorgon. It was one of the uh, Tome of Beast Demon Lords that I pulled out. Uh, it, well, Tome of Beast or, or Creature Codex, one of the two. Either way, it was a Kobold Demon Lord. Um, awesome. Uh, they defeated that Demon Lord, uh, who mostly survived because uh, it spent the first three rounds of the big battle royale underground it has a burrowing speed and none of the others do so it just burrowed deep underground and sat there and waited for three rounds so that was pretty brilliant um that happened and then the party had some downtime and then they went off into uh pandemonium uh which is where miska Slash Therizdun, because in my campaign, Miska the Wolf Spider from the Rod of Seven Parts, and Therizdun uh, from all the things that Therizdun is in, including Princes of the Apocalypse, are the same entity, right? They're both these uh, entities of great chaos that all of the gods, good and evil alike, teamed up uh, against at the beginning of time during this thing called the Chaos War, and he and it was imprisoned in Pandemonium. Um. And the Rod of Seven Parts is the key that can lock and unlock the prison. It was specifically designed during the Chaos War to kill Miska. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was corrupted when it stabbed Miska and imprisoned him. And that's why it sort of keeps exploding and spreading all over the place and has to be recollected. Because there's that little thread of chaos energy in the middle of this incredibly lawful artifact. Um, But you can't finish putting the artifact, the rod together until you get inside of the prison with Miska because that's where the last piece of the rod is. So they go in, they find the last piece of the rod. Uh, it, it seems way too easy to get to it. There were some things before, but I've already talked about that when you weren't here. Um, and they get the, the last piece of the rod and they're immediately attacked by like uh, Miska's second in command, who is just a bigger sort of wolf spider fiend thing. Uh, and they're fighting it with a bunch of other uh, wolf spider creatures. Spider fiends, I guess is what they're called. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. You probably said this. What level are them, they at this point? They were they, – we finished the campaign, at, I think, around 15-ish, 15, 16. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. So they're having this big fight with this creature. And I figured, hey, since Therizdun and Miska are the same creature for me and the, the CR works out right – and some of these higher level spider fiends have the shape change spell like ability. Um, I'm going to have them shape change into the form of some of the elemental princes to mm. sort of sort of tie the different adventures together, right? Right, because they they were involved in the elemental because they, they already did that. That yeah, right. they, that was the first major story thread that they actually finished. Right. So. Uh, so the lieutenant that they're fighting, whose goal is just, hey, there's there's people here stealing Miska's stuff. Let's kill him. Um, it turns into Yancey Bin, and that's where we actually left the penultimate session 
that's where it ended is mm-hmm. they'd beaten him down. He was almost dead. And then he shape changes into Yancey Ben. End of session. And so that was the beginning of the last session where, okay, we start the fight. You're still beat up. Let's fight Yancey Ben. And they beat Yancey Ben down to where it transforms back into the Lieutenant uh, uh, Spider Fiend. And then he immediately shape changes again, only this time it's Ol' Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> right? And now they got to like, be a- Wow, I know where this is going. Right. Well, in, fa- <laughs> in fairness, one of my players pulled the same BS, right? So, he- so one of my players... Uh, got the uh, shape change or uh, yeah, shape change spell. What is it? Ninth level spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you concentrate on it for what is it? An hour or whatever, you can make it permanent. So prior to the fight ever happening, uh, he shape changed himself into a gold dragon, like as powerful of a gold dragon as he could be. Mm-hmm. And then use the gold dragons change shape ability to turn himself into an archmage. So like he's already stacking all these these buffer hit points on top of each other, right? Because I have to take if I take him out as an archmage, he just turns back into the gold dragon, and then I have to take him out as the gold dragon and turn him back into himself before I can start whittling down on him, right? So I'm like, well, if he can pull that trick, I can pull that trick too. <laughs> so so yes, you're gonna have to go through Yancey Bin, and then you're gonna go gonna have to go through Ol Hydra, and then they finally defeated the the lieutenant. And then they have some downtime and they could check out this piece of the rod and they're like, hey, this is way too easy to get. Let's make sure it's real. So let's take a lot of time. Let's like take the time to cast identify and make sure this is what it's supposed to be and whatever. And they do. And it is the real piece of the rod. So they then, then they take the several hours it takes to attach the rod to, to the, to that piece, to the rest of the rod. Um, and they do that. And Miska is aware of all this happening the entire time, right? Miska knows that what they're doing and is purposely like, after the initial fight with the lieutenant, keeping everybody away because he wants the rod to be reformed. It's the only thing that can free him and restore him to his power. Mm-hmm. So he's just sitting back and waiting for them to, to reattach the rod. And then he's going to b- pop in and try to grab it from them. And, th- and that's basically what happens. Uh, they reattach, they reconstruct the rod. Miska teleports in and uh, grabs the rod. And as soon as he gets two hands on the rod, the, the shell, in pandemonium that was imprisoning him disappears and he is restored to full power, which basically mechanically just meant I gave him all of his powers that weren't just straight attacks. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now he gets all of his spell like abilities and all that kind of stuff. And so as soon as that happens, he doesn't wait to get low on hit points. He just immediately shape changes into Ogre Mach. Uh, and now you got to beat up Ogre Mach. And then once they beat up Ogre Mach, he changes into Imix. Uh, you know, and so now they've gone through all four of the, uh, uh, the elemental princes, the evil elemental princes. And I, and technically Miska had enough shape change uses. He could have gone through the other two, but then like, they've already fought the other two, but this session, right. like, we don't need to go that far. I think I've made the point, right? They're all the same thing and they're connected. Uh, and so the, the trick for the, in the original rod of seven parts adventure is that if you use the rod of seven parts as a spear and stab Miska with it one time, it auto kills him. Hmm. And I'm like, well, that's a little bit of a letdown, <laughs> right? So, so I I tweaked it and said, you know what? If they stab him with the rod of seven parts three times, it'll auto kill him. But you've okay. still got to hit him three times, right? It's going to take a couple of rounds, uh, and it has to be in Miska's actual form. When he's in the form of one of the other uh, one of the other creatures, it doesn't count, right? Right. Uh, and so, meanwhile, the the character who has the rod is like, yeah, but like. He's a, he's playing the the mystic the playtest version of the mystic and he's playing the the one with it makes their you know psychic knife things 
was it is that is it called the soul knife something like that sounds yeah. right so he so he's used to fighting with those and he wants to fight with those he's better with those uh, so he he just keeps avoiding using the rod at all uh, and eventually through throwing layering in enough uh, increasingly unsubtle hints he starts using the rod right well he hits him once with the rod and you know oh that hurt really bad don't do that and then he hits him uh, and so he tries it again and the next round he hits him with the rod again and he crits oh wow and because I'm using the Nord Games uh, critical hit deck that I described in my Noble Knight uh, piece, right? You get to pull a card, and the random thing that's on the card happens. And some of them are you do normal damage, but uh, you know you you put a gash over their head, and they're at disadvantage for their next attack because of the blood pouring down and that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and sometimes it's like no, or you do like crazy stuff, right? Well, he he pulled a card that said, you know, this thing happens and quadruple damage. <laughs> <laughs> right? So Miska at that point is still decently healthy. Like he's still at like over 100 hit points. But this one hit, he manages to do over 100 hit points. <laughs> right. So yeah. Miska, you know, is described in the, in the module as like if he gets really beaten up, he'll just run away. He's fine. Like he doesn't have any stake in this. He's got he's he's got his power restored. Like he'd rather the rod not be out there. But if it's it's about if it's about dying or not, he'd just run away. Uh, but he never had the chance because he had over a hundred hit points and then went from that to dead in right. one in one hit. Right. So it worked out perfect. No escape. So Miska's dead. Um, I sort of then go into the like here's the state of the world and what happens. This is how you get out of pandemonium. And there's like. You know, the people that put you on this quest are celebrating. And then then I did this sort of epilogue where I went through each PC. After I sort of described the state of the world, this is what happened in this one place that you went to. This is what's going on in the next few years in this place. And I sort of lay all that out. And then I go through each PC and I'm like, okay, and here's what's going on in in this character's life. Here Mm -hmm. are the threads that are still out there that are interacting with what's going on with this character for the rest of their time and whatever. Uh, And then as I go through it, I say, so so these are the things that your character is dealing with. And then for each one of them, I prepared ahead of time. I I asked them a question. So what does your character do in this situation? Right. So so it's not completely narrated. It's not completely out, out of their hands. Right. But they sort of describe, oh, well, I would kind of do this and, and do that and whatever. And then I would just sort of narrate how that plays out. And, and, and that's how we concluded the whole thing. And I, and I was actually really pleased with how that worked out. Uh, plus, I got to do like the, all of the, the sort of um, quirky little weird vision I had of how the campaign would end actually played out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the character who was using the Rod of Seven Parts um, had a mentor um back in their sort of base of operations that because it, it, it he started off as a warlock and then changed classes part way through right so he had this mentor who was his patron and then became just his mentor whatever mm-hmm. um the mentor shows up uh after the fight because during the fight after you they kill miska the rod explodes back into seven parts and tiny little rifts appear uh into the sort of you know the chaos beyond the stars sort of uh, plane, and and they go flying off through that place in a, in, a, in a plane that time does not where time does not exist, right? Except the character holding the rod got pulled into the rift too. Hmm. Well, and then it turned out the character who was a robot uh, who had been wandering the earth for who knows how long, turns out he was actually the inventor of these robots. We were we were using the Gear Forge from Cold War Press because we didn't have Warforge stats yet. Um, um, so he was actually the inventor who created these things, uh, and was prior to that, 
running an experiment because he slowly got his memories back through the campaign. Uh, he was running an experiment where he was trying to draw the, this energy from another plane to provide uh, limitless energy to to modern the modern world, right, and sell it to all the world's countries in in you know the near future modern America, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, except that it turns out the the this near limitless energy he was drawing from another plane was the pieces of the rod of seven parts that existed in a place beyond time. Hmm. So it became a cycle. It became, it became an endless circle where the rod of seven parts was brought into the world by him. And that actually brought the other character that was using the rod into the world back in the past. And then he sort of lived forever and became his own mentor. <laughs> right? So then he created himself. So it's a big time loop. Um, But it's not a time loop where the characters had to do a lot with it. So it didn't become so much, you know, the headaches that time uh, time travel can be. Right. Uh, And so, yeah, so he ends up becoming his own mentor. uh, And then so when the whole thing is over, the mentor shows up, even though the mentee is gone. And it's like, "Eh, I'm finally free. I can finally do whatever I want instead of just living my life to make all of this happen. Uh, so he, he then turns into a big cosmic dragon from Tome of Beast and flies off into space to go exploring and, and kind of pulls the, uh, the, was it Dr. Manhattan from the Watchmen and says, you know, this has been fun all, but I'm going to go like deal right. with the rest of the universe now. You know? I'm going to go check out Mars. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so he pulls one of those and then each other, every other character was like, oh yeah. And these things are going on. What do you do about that? These things are going on. What do you do about that? So it went really well. I was really pleased with the way it ended. They all seemed happy with it. Um, and then we finished up early and played some Betrayal of uh, a Baldur's Gate, which if you ever ah, played cool. Betray- Betrayal of the House of the Hill, it's basically that, but with a D&D skin. Right. So so that was fun. Uh, here's the thing, though. Here's the question I have with my remaining one minute and eight seconds. Um, I have two sessions left before I move because it turns out we're closing on our house uh, at the, in Indiana later than I thought I uh, than I expected that we would be. I've got two more sessions left, uh, and I'm we finished the campaign, and I'm kind of thinking like, what could I do as like a good like one or two shot sort of farewell? I'm you know it's been a great ten years goodbye everybody session. Um, you could you could play test a new thing of mine. <laughs> <laughs> we it's could completely self serving, but we could. Well, the original I'll be looking for play testers. The original plan for the next session was that we were going to play test something that I'm doing. Um, oh. But it turned out the people who I was doing it for needed it before we could play test it. So right. I've already turned it in. Um, so yeah. So I mean, we could so we, we, I mean, we we could absolutely play test something for you. I'd be okay with that. Uh, or if I was just thinking, like, is there any like good like farewell adventures or games or whatever that could be fun? Well, I, I mean, you know, I don't know if they've played it, um, but. There's there's a lot of I mean like Death House is is great fun. Okay. And it, it I mean you you run long sessions right? We yeah six hours. So you might be able to get through all of Death House in one in one go if you if you were tidy about it. Um, if you wanted to run a couple of things, that would be one. Well, and we we might Death, have Death we might have two sessions, so we could do it and and take our time. Yeah, with you, it. Could, you could you could do it and take your time. It's 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 yeah. I don't know if it's twelve hours. It's it's more like eight. You know, yeah, but we could do it. We could do a session and a half, and then play board games and and hang out and. and yeah, play. yeah. So so Death House is a lot of fun if you haven't run it before. Um, what a, what's another? I mean, there's lots of great one shots these days. Mm-hmm. Um, you could pull something out of uh, Yawning Portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could run the first adventure in, or even the first couple adventures in Salt Marsh. Mm-hmm. 
Sinister Secrets of, or uh, uh, Ghost Ghosts. Assault just came out, mm-hmm. and that I, I just read through the first one and, and like it a lot. That's a I think that's another good double session adventure. Mm. Uh, the second one probably doesn't fit because the second one is tied to uh, a third one that you probably wouldn't be able to run. Okay. Although you could start with the second one, you could skip, you could do sort of the second and um so there's this you know ghost assault marshes like seven adventures or eight adventures or something like that but there's three that are real tied together okay and i think the second and the third fit really well uh or and i don't think it's the second and the third in the book um because they kind of jump around in the book but those are uh those look like a lot of fun it's basically the the whole and this is a spoiler so if you're going to play salt marsh stop listening for 20 seconds um, it's the whole lizard folk slash Sahuigan. Okay. Uh, so danger at Dunwater. So so here here's the trick though. Final enemy. Part yeah. of me wants to have the theme of the game be like a farewell party. Yeah. Well, you know? I, think it's, it's, I don't know any that <laughs> yeah. are, are are kind of built that way. Do you have any ideas for how to pull that kind of adventure off though? And it doesn't have to be five. I love the idea of like a last adventure. So you could take the characters as they are. Mm-hmm. And just have sort of a, 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 a an epilogue, right? And the epilogue is like they get together years later, and there's this one last thing that they have to do. There's one last boss. Is there any like like find a hook that you've got that mm. that you've had? One maybe one character had one character arc that didn't get filled out, and you know the the hook could be that he calls them all. You know they're all off in separate parts of the world or the multiverse or wherever the hell they are. You know, and they all they all come back and they're you know they've had these like five years later. You know, and now they're Frazer like, Frazer like, Blue did successfully hide inside of that one guy's eye right up until the end, and then absorbed all of Miska's godly power and became a new god. Yeah. So so it could be Frazer Blue as like a new trickster god, just messing with him and throwing a party or a reunion or whatever. Yeah, it could be. I mean, to me, like it'd be it'd be kind of fun to have these like epic characters that did all this epic stuff, and then they just have to like go do this one small thing. Yeah. Right, it's almost like a level one adventure for level sixteen characters. Yeah, as far as scope and scale, it's like there's that one dungeon we didn't get to, and maybe it's like you know take those characters and run them through, um, uh, run them through uh, tomb of tomb of horrors. You know, like they, there's that one thing they had to go pick up. There's this one last artifact, and it's down there in the tomb, and they have that to fight a demi didn't do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, that to me, I think that would be a fun. I would love to. I would. I always. I always dream of sort of going back to characters from old campaigns and sort of bringing them back together, and then like having the real lifetime that we've been separated be the time in game or even mm-hmm. longer. Like they all get back together ten years later, and one of them's married with two kids, and you know, one of them <laughs> lost an eye, and one of them's an alcoholic, and you know, it's like 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 it. You know, I don't. Did you ever read the book It? No. So you know the the, the spoiler for the book that's been out for 30 years and the, um, and the movie that that they remake movie yeah, that they did recently well, they made the movie but the movie they, they only did half of it oh okay. and so the, the, the fun bit is it's about these kids who f- face essentially what i like to think of as a hag only it's a evil clown fun. uh and they beat it back but it comes back every 27 years and oh. so 27 years later they're all adults and they all have to come back they have this one they thing that draws them all back together and and they all had these lives and some of them are good and some of them are not, you know, like they're not, 
you know, they're they're it's not like everything's been hunky dory for them over 27 years. Okay. And, and you know, I think that that could be a fun thing to do with the characters of like it's been three years and and you know, you know, I have to think about it because they've also uh, the player the players have also toyed with the idea of, of breaking out Torg one last time before I go too. So, um, but I can play off of some of the same themes um, either way. So. Um, Anyway, that's that's some good stuff to think about. So, uh, my time is well up. I just turned the timer off before it went off. So, um, that said, uh, I mentioned it before. If people want to support the show, they could go to noblenight.com and do some shopping and tell them the Tome Show sent you. Other ways you could support the show is by going to the Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links available at thetomeshow.com. Uh, or become a patron at patreon.com slash the tome show. Uh, just like recent new patrons, uh, Ian Becker and DM Jazzy Hands, who, whose name I can't say without doing jazz hands. Uh, so uh, those are our recent new patrons. Uh, and there's all, there is, of course, uh, many others. And I've mentioned those on some other episodes as well. So um, thank you for your support. Thank you.